0: Wake up, put your shoes on, take a breath. getting close to the end of mock draft season. We also have some Vikings news and scuttlebutt to report. And we will talk about Debo Samuel. He's not going to cover the Vikings, but he does remain a very interesting figure and a very symbolic figure as wide receivers start cashing in around the league. Let's get to all that with Jeff Diamond on Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider, part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com, and TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. So, Jeff, you have been out and about uh, talking to Vikings officials, uh, listening to Kevin O'Connell talk uh, during his press conference. We are just about a week out from the draft. Uh, what's foremost in your mind when it comes to the Vikings right now? I, I
1: think there's a, a few interesting things, and uh, Kevin O'Connell, already a very seasoned head coach in terms of his <laughs> press conference presentation and ha- has learned quickly how to dance around questions, Jim, <laughs> as, sure. as you know. And he was asked about drafting a quarterback and kind of hemmed and hawed and said, oh, well, yeah, we, of course we've got Kirk. And now yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. And Kwesi's and working on all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And ultimately didn't really answer the question. He did say that he – has has some good thoughts about Kellen Mond, but not having seen him on the field yet and said he was when he rated him while he was still at the Rams pre-draft last year that he thought he was very athletic, that he was accurate, uh, that he can make off-schedule plays. I thought that was an interesting comment since that's what we'd like to see Kirk Cousins do more of. Mm -hmm. and and also said, of course, he was very successful in college. Now, he had kind of a dreadful rookie year, and Zimmer, we know, got was not high on him. But we'll see how it shakes out with Kellen Mond under, under Kevin O'Connell. I still think that they're going to draft a quarterback somewhere in those first four rounds. It, it won't be at number one, but I think they, they could well jump on somebody that they really like in round two, three, or four, which, which I think is a good idea. And the other thing that Kevin O'Connell was talking about was Earl Smith Jr.'s recovery and how important that is to the offense, especially after losing Tyra Conklin. And also leads me to think that they probably will look for a, a, a tight end, probably middle rounds in terms of a receiving type tight end because they they'd signed Johnny Manta a free agent tight end, but he's a blocking tight end, has 10 career receptions. Zach Davidson is an interesting prospect, uh, was a fifth-round pick last year, big guy, 6'7", but but he's really an unknown at this point. And I don't think they want to go into the season without having a, a good option in case or Smith Jr.'s recovery is slow or he gets hurt again. And they had the luxury before, now, I think also, when you look at the new offense, of course, if they're gonna go three wide receiver as the base offense, which we know they're gonna do, and they've got, which they should do, and they've got the strength there with Jefferson, Thielen, and Osborne, then the tight end becomes a little less important in the grand scheme of things, but you still need a tight end, and they're still gonna to wanna to have a viable backup for Ersmith Jr. So those are some of the interesting takeaways I have from O'Connell's press conference. And I think, as we said, the good news is that the draft is next week. You, you get to this time of year, and I can speak for the team executives, you can't wait till the draft comes because you're just tired of, of going through all the mock drafts and all the, all the looking at your draft board and tweaking it. And you just want to get to draft day and finally be able to make your selections. And, and I think this is going to shake, shake out as an interesting draft with the, with the new regime and see – where their focus is, and see if they draft for need over best player available, the, the old argument, which, which of course I always subscribe to, which I learned long ago from Bud Grant and Jerry Rykow and Frank Gilliam, that you don't take, you don't draft for need, especially in the first round, and don't pass up a potentially great player to take a good player at a position of need, and we know they need a cornerback bad. Uh, in terms of a potential elite cornerback. And I'm sure they're going to look very closely at at Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley Jr. And perhaps Trent McDuffie, but Gardner and Stingley, there's a lot of buzz that they could be gone in the top 11 picks before the Vikings pick at number 12. So we'll see how it all comes about next week, but I'm excited the draft time is coming and I'm sure so is, so are all the Viking Draft folks and executives, and Quasi and Kevin, and, and the whole crew
0: over at, at uh, headquarters. Jeff, of course, former Vikings general manager, former president of the Tennessee Titans, former NFL executive of the year. We also thank our producer, brian Burdett. Let you know that uh, one good way of keeping up with TalkNorth.com and all of our great podcasts follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. You, of course, can always go to TalkNorth.com to see the shows, the archives. Uh, you know, r- this time of the year, Great time to listen to the john krasinski show expert in-depth analysis on the minnesota timberwolves from a, a great beat writer we also have outdoor content the flush destination polaris a million outdoor shows great sports lineup uh cheryl reeve show is the links are getting ready to start want to thank everybody for listening to the network we do recommend subscribing your favorite podcast app it's free it's easy uh, so it is interesting to look at mock drafts, and you know we all understand that they're just mock drafts, and there are a million of them. But some of the some of the more reputable mock drafters really seem to have have honed in on the Vikings taking Stingley Jr. Uh, obviously, a combination of good player you can get him, you probably can get him at number twelve at least theoretically, at, at a position of need. There's also been late scuttlebutt that Kyle Hamilton, the, the excellent safety from Notre Dame could slide uh to the Vikings and of course one well, of the most intriguing things as you talk about quarterbacks the Vikings need for a future quarterback is that uh some mock drafts have the Panthers taking Malik Willis at number 6 and others have him not going in the first round and where he goes could set up you know other players sliding or or if he doesn't go at number 6 it could could cause somebody to say hey this guy is going to be great in the future why would we not take him at our pick
1: yeah I think the the quarterback situation as we've talked before is always really interesting and when you're picking in the number 12 spot, the Vikings would love to see teams jump up and take some of these quarterbacks like Willis and Pickett and and uh, Corral maybe Howell from North Carolina but so many so so-called draft experts also, think this quarterback class is a little bit down and, and there may not even be a top 10 quarterback for the first time in many, many years. And I, I think like you, Willis is really an intriguing prospect, but playing at, out, out of Liberty, a small school, it's just, again, you just don't really know what you've got other than athletically. And so I wouldn't be surprised if someone jumps up on him, such as Carolina. I don't think Detroit's going to take them at two, <laughs> that's for sure, uh, when you've got all these big guys that, that are really interesting in terms of Hutchinson, uh, Trevon Walker from Georgia, Evan Neal from Alabama, some really, really good quality big guys that are going to go boom, boom, boom right out of the gate. But we'll see. And that, that's what makes the draft fun. I think it's going to be a really interesting first round this year, especially as we've also talked about because of all these teams with these multiple number one picks, eight teams that now have number one picks after New Orleans traded up and has the 16th and 19th pick. And so you know these teams are gonna be moving around that have these multiple number ones. And I think that's gonna set up a, a fascinating first round. I've never seen a draft with so many teams with multiple number ones. And conversely, so many teams without a number one pick. They're going to have to sit there. <laughs> I feel sorry for those GMs and and scouting staff and the folks in those draft rooms, such as the Rams, and uh, they're going to be sitting there for five hours on four four to five hours on Thursday night next week without a pick. And so you know they're going to be itching to jump into the first round and perhaps straight
0: away next year's number one to do so. Reminds me, Jeff. I came to town to cover the Vikings in 1990. They had traded away their first three picks, I think, uh, in the Herschel deal. And you know, it was my first NFL draft as a lead beat writer. And I drank like 85 cups of coffee that morning. I was so fired up about it all. You know, I'd read uh, I'd read the Joel Bushbaum uh, draft guide. You know, they, back then back then there were not 800 million uh, mock drafts. There were like two. You know, and and you had to buy the actual pamphlet. You know, there was no Internet to really look things up on uh, brands like, how old are you? And yes, I am that old. And I remember sitting out there and the Vikings didn't pick to like the fourth round. I think they took like a fullback out of Florida State or something. And I, I ate like 800 bags of chips just sitting there waiting. It, it's, it's really painful for a fan base to not have a first round pick uh, in an age when the draft is covered the way it's now covered.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. That that was a painful draft. I remember that one very well. I think we took Jake Reed in the third round or something. Which, oh, that's probably which, right, yeah. Which turned out to be a very good pick, by the way, yeah. since since Jake was a multi-thousand-yard receiver. But it was a long, long time before we were able to pick that in that particular first couple of rounds. That was a tough year. And, yeah, I, I remember back in those days, there there were only a couple of mock drafts. Kuiper had one. And of course, there was the famous Bill Tobin line when he was the, the Bears personnel director, and and Kuiper was questioning his pick, and Tobin goes, "Who the hell is my, Mel Kuiper?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mel had all the big hair in those days.
0: <laughs> oh, he did. And here's the thing: it's easy to pick on uh, Mel Kuiper or anybody who kind of makes a living in the mock draft world. Uh, I, I give them credit; they don't hide. They they do their homework. They put their work out there to be you know either praised or ridiculed they're not hiding anything and you know yes any mock draft can look bad any draft analysis can look bad but there are people who make a lot of money as general managers who missed picks too yeah and that's definitely true there's no
1: doubt about that <laughs> and so you better make more good ones than bad ones crazy because you're going to be judged on it and yeah it, there's no way around it no there, there definitely isn't but i i do think that this draft is setting up very interesting and when you look at priorities for the Vikings, Jim, we, we clearly know, and again, with a caveat, taking the best player available in the first round other than a quarterback. But I could certainly see them, as long as the ratings are fairly close, jumping on one of these corners early, I think center guard is a, is a should be a priority, even though O'Connell has been talking up uh, Garrett Bradbury. I just don't think Bradbury's the long-term answer. I don't think that they're gonna exercise the 50-year option on him. That would probably be, I don't know, 10 to $15 million for next year, and which could set him up for free agency. So they may need, need to be drafting a successor potentially. And they did sign a couple of lower cross vets in Jesse Davis and Chris Reed, after they lost Mason Cole, which I thought was a bigger loss than a lot of people thought. So I wouldn't be surprised if they take a center guard combo player in those first couple rounds and i think that should be priority too in my eyes and then edge rusher in in this league where you can't have enough good pass rushers in a quarterback driven league and you're counting on daniel hunter and Darius smith who are both coming off major injuries and they've got other people who can rush the passer such as dj Wanham had eight sacks armand watts had five sacks and willicus had a couple sacks but This is a good draft for edge rushers, and and that that could certainly be a target also early. And maybe even in the first round, if a guy such as Jermaine Johnson from Florida State slid out of the top 10, they may be tempted to to grab him at number 12. So it it sets up interesting. But when we talk about quarterbacks, and I always subscribe to the theory that I I always like the approach that, that the Patriots took and that Belichick took in drafting quarterbacks and and there were so many times that this happened uh jimmy garoppolo 2014 was round two jacoby Brissett, 2016 round three and hey there was some guy named kevin (laughs) o'connell that the patriots took in 2008 in round three who happens to be the of course the vikings coach didn't quite pan out with a great career necessarily as a quarterback but the other thing that Belichick was able to do was parlay those guys such as Garoppolo and then trade them away when Brady kept playing on and on and on. And so I don't think it's a bad decision to draft a quarterback really in every draft almost in, in those medium rounds, second, third type round and try to groom them. And, and let, let this – maybe they draft a guy in the third round, let him compete with Kellen Mann for the heir apparent role and be ready if Cousins doesn't up his game under, under O'Connell's uh, tutelage, shall we say. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how they approach the quarterback position in this draft and what kind of influence Kevin O'Connell has in that room.
0: No doubt about it. I'm glad you brought up Jermaine Johnson. He's the other guy who's very popular among, uh, you know, mock drafters going to Vikings at 12. Let's talk about receivers. Uh, Fascinating time to be a receiver, a star receiver in the NFL. Uh, First, we want to thank White Bear Lake Superstore. You can find the entire inventory at WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC. And my great friend the owner paul rubin his general manager charlie guttrell and their fantastic staff minnesota's number one volume buick gmc dealer six years running with the best selection and with their super friendly premium team check out that great website that we always talk about white Bear lake superstore.com you'll see great selection of gmc and buick suvs new 21 and 22 buick suvs including the stylish encore gx with zero percent apr offers up to 72 months Also, 0% APR offers on most 21 and 22 GMC models. And also, great great purchase allowance deals with those vehicles. And that includes the fabulous GMC Sierra 1500 Crew Cab with a 0% APR offer. And don't wait. Reserve your all-electric super truck, the Hummer EV. The Wiper Lake Superstore is also the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They're a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade.
0: Our friend. Steve Terry of TSR Injury Law has been sponsoring programs across the network for a long time. He's a primary sponsor of the John Krasinski Show, which is one of our most popular sh- uh shows also i had him on recently on my show blocked me to talk about the timberwolves because he sometimes he ends up with better timberwolves information than the rest of us he's he hobnobs with their uh their front office people he sits courtside uh so just a reminder that he's not just a face on a billboard he's a, a really cool guy that we like working with if you are ever injured uh do as he says call 612 612- TSR time, 612 TSR time. And a reminder that he takes good care of motorcyclists who are injured uh, by uh, other drivers, 612 TSR time.
1: We hear questions like these all the time. Can TSR injury law help me if I'm hit by a driver with no insurance? Yes. How about if not enough insurance? Yep. If you've been injured, it's TSR time. Call us today for a free consultation at 612-TSR-TIME.
0: All right, let's get to the receivers. Debo Samuel is threatening to hold out and and requesting a trade, and he is doing so at a time when receivers are getting paid, when receivers are yielding huge uh, amounts of uh, collateral in trades. Uh, Why are we seeing receivers valued so highly at this point, and what do you think happens with Debo? I think Debo is a really interesting
1: player, great player. He's the 49ers' best offensive player. Uh, certainly, uh, in terms of explosiveness, and I, I think he's a a guy that kind of presents a problem for a general manager. And in terms of John Lynch out in San Francisco, because of his his versatility, almost makes him he, he's not the most productive wide receiver in the league. He's not the most productive running back in the league. But when you do the combo, he has whatever 14 touchdowns last year and played great and was I think a first team All Pro. Edging out Justin Jefferson. And so it's a, it's a tough negotiation. And, and I think what's really complicated the wide receiver market are, are these recent deals Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill at 28 million a year when the going rate for the top receivers was in the low 20s before this year. And they've just exploded contract wise. And then Stephon Diggs just got a $25 million a year extension in Buffalo. And so, but meanwhile, you've got these recent drafts where there have been so many quality receivers coming out, <clears throat> including, of course, two years ago when the Vikings drafted Justin Jefferson, and fortunately, the Eagles passed on him and took, took Rieger, <laughs> which they, they've got to be kicking themselves for every day. But you look at this draft, and you got guys, the two receivers out of Ohio State, uh, Wilson and Olave, you got. Jameson Williams out of Alabama, London from USC, Burks from Arkansas. You could have five first-round wide receivers again this year. And so does a team want to put that much salary cap money into a wide receiver when there's a lot of good ones in the draft? And and we know the Packers are going to be picking one probably in the first round, even though they haven't done so in about 20 years. But I think Rodgers will go apoplectic if they don't. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how that wide receiver situation shakes out in this draft. And what's also really fascinating to me, Jim, when we talk about these guys that have been in contract discussions, the receiver crew, and you've got Deebo Samuel in San Francisco, A.J. Brown in Tennessee, Terry McCorn in Washington. These are all 1,000-yard-plus receivers and excellent receivers and they're all skipping their off-season workouts so far because they're seeking extensions. They finished their third season, so they're eligible for an extension and they don't wanna risk injury in OTAs and mini camps. And I would say that this could well be a preview of what the Vikings are gonna face next spring with their superstar, Justin Jefferson, because if, if I'm his agent, I'm gonna take a similar approach and say, hey, he's finished his third season, he's eligible for an extension. The Vikings certainly next year will exercise his fifth year option, but before they do that in May of 2023, they probably won't see him in April of 2023 unless they do a, a lucrative extension, which they can do, by the way, and still get a decent salary cap number in the first year because you give him a big signing bonus and you give him a low base salary, you can probably get a a salary cap number in the five to $10 million range, which is probably about where he is this year, maybe closer to four to five on his rookie contract. But again, that deal is gonna become, start to be very expensive starting in 2024. And they've got time to plan for that and figure out where their money's gonna go by then, but Jefferson is going to be a guy that that is going to break the bank next year and that will be that sets up as really maybe the first exceedingly tough negotiation for Adolfo Menza other than the Cousins extension and what they did there which I don't think was very difficult because it was pretty obvious what they were going to do there but the Jefferson deal is going to be really fascinating and he's going to Certainly, if he has another great year, which you would expect him to do, he's going to be right there with, with
0: Adams and, and with Hill at that kind of contract level. Do you think the Vikings need to start addressing both you know, the, the possibility that Justin Jefferson will move on and the fact that Adam Thielen is now you know, getting to a point where he's more of a senior citizen player than somebody in his prime? Do you, do you start addressing receiver now? I don't see them doing that in this draft.
1: I think maybe next year they could start looking at that. And I don't think they're going to let Justin Jefferson go anywhere. First of all, <laughs> they've still got the franchise tag in their pocket. They've they've got, as I said, the ability to extend him at the even at this expensive category of of receivers, top receivers, but they can still get a lower salary cap number the first couple of years by giving him a big signing bonus. And, and so he's going to be priority one that they have to address. Adam, I think, is a really interesting player, besides the fact that we represent him at IFA, so I'm a little biased. But I do think he's the kind of player who can play in the league a long time because he's so smart, because he runs such great routes. And, and I think that, that he's a guy that, that can stay and play for a long time at, at, the, at the contract level he's at and then they have to figure out what they're going to do with Osborne eventually and and we'll see if he keeps emerging and so i think there's a lot of things happening uh, i think uh, smith marset did some good things at the, at the end of last year so he's a guy that could continue to emerge uh, he, he's got some speed he's got some size and i like him but i'm i'm sure they're going to pick a receiver in the middle rounds because because teams always do and especially when you're going to a 3 receiver offense and you can certainly carry probably six or seven wide receivers on the roster and the one of those guys may be dan chisna who's a top special teamer one of those guys we'll see if how bc johnson comes back from his knee injury he, he's a guy that's kind of under the radar but he did some good things in his first couple of seasons before he got hurt that knee last year and so he could be in the mix And and then there was Blake Prohl, who was kind of a camp sleeper last year until he got hurt. So they've got some pretty good depth at receiver, but we know they're gonna pick one at some point in this draft. And and yeah, the certainly the Jefferson situation is gonna be one to watch in future years. And by the way, Justin in his opening press conference, as I'm sure you heard, he said, Yeah, I've kind of been paying attention to some of these wide receiver contracts. (laughs) So he he's very aware. Of what Devonte Adams got with the Raiders and what Tyree Hill got with the Dolphins.
0: Oh no, doubt about it. I, do you think that traditionally wide receivers in the league have been undervalued? Because uh, right again, right now it looks like everybody's looking for that star receiver they can build their offense around. I don't really think they've been undervalued because I, I think they
1: traditionally have been paid one of the top salaries uh, position-wise in the league. When you think about the top guys. Uh, that have been able to to garner those kind of contracts julio jones and and uh michael thomas that have been 20 million plus plus. and so they were really kind of where other than quarterbacks where the other players were other than defense edge rusher pass rushers were more in the 25 million dollar range now they're in the 28 million dollar range but the receivers have climbed to to that level where the top deep where the top defensive ends and edge rushers are which did not happen in the past. And, and so you got to say, yeah, the receiver group may have been slightly undervalued because of, of the pass oriented NFL. And, and those poor running backs are still kind of lagging behind. <laughs> they're, the top running backs are still in that that $15 million range, guys like Dalvin Cook. And, and they're still very valuable too, even in the passing game. So you got to feel kind of bad for those guys, even though, they're still making pretty good money
0: <laughs> they are just not relative to the rest of the league hey let's get a final thought from jeff thanks again to our producer brand Burdett. thank you to white bear lake superstore WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com, and tsr injury law 612 tsr time again check out TalkNorth.com for all of our shows and we do recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app all right jeff leave, leave us with a final thought before we reach official draft week <laughs> yeah i think one of the things i'm
1: interested in is to seeing where, where those Couple of top Gopher guys go and talking about Maffe, the edge rusher out of Hopkins, Minnesota. Uh, my my son's alma mater, and and also Philley the the huge offensive tackle. He's really an interesting guy, in terms of can he keep his weight under control? Do teams trust him to be able to play at that at that at that big big giant weight size of you know three seventy five to four hundred, and what's going to happen there? So I'll, I'll be fascinated to see. What happens with those guys and, and mafe i've seen in a couple of mock drafts targeted for the vikings perhaps in the second round and i'm not sure he's going to make it that far but he wouldn't be a bad pick because he he does certainly he's coming off he had a great senior bowl and he's a guy that, that still is relatively raw but he's got some real, really good ability and so that'll be a fun time to 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 see some of the local products
0: No doubt about it. It'll be fun to talk about. It'll be fun to watch. Thanks to Jeff. Thanks to Ryan. We'll be back next week for one last and more intensive NFL draft preview.